0: series of ongoing podcasts where we discuss the issues and news that are relevant to the global unmanned technologies community, and we interview the newsmakers. Although we don't have any guests today, we do have your host here, Patrick Egan, and we'll say a big hello to our our, uh, co-host, Gene Robinson. Gene.
1: Hello, Patrick. Good morning. How are you, sir? I know it's early for you. Well,
0: it's not as early as it would usually be. I'm out here. I feel like Art Bell's. Somewhere in the higher in the Rockies, <laughs> I'm out here in uh, beautiful Colorado Springs, uh, out here doing some work at the Battle Lab, and it's tons of fun. Great bunch of guys out there. Um, let's see here. This week's episode, we're going to talk about a uh, talk about and focus on a very popular subject. And that is monetizing unmanned technologies or trying to uh, monetize unmanned technologies and and positioning yourself um, for when the regulations come out. And I know that that's a very popular uh, topic everywhere I go. And I I mention that the room usually lights up and, oh, yeah, we want to monetize it and, Next month, I'm going and I'm going to speak to the uh, Oklahoma Economic Development Committee about the same thing. So everybody's really interested in making some money, and I, and I can tell that that was popular also at EBSI. And that's part of uh, – we'll talk about that, too, some of the uh, takeaway from the Unmanned Systems North America show. Um, you know, so we'll talk about that, too. But uh, anyway, um, Gene, anything in the news that you would like to talk about off the web page or anywhere else that you may have found it?
1: Yeah, I you know, I caught a little factoid yesterday that uh, was put out by the OAG. OAG is a kind of an aviation intelligence agency that uh, keeps up with the comings and goings of aviation. And uh, they determined that uh, scheduled flights are at the lowest point that they have been in a decade. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I was pretty surprised at that. And they say even for August that there will be 21,400 less scheduled flights than there were last year. Hmm. So hmm. the airspace, the national airspace has got to be getting safer,
0: right? Uh, yeah, one would think. Well, you know, it's funny, too, you say that. You know, I've I've heard that the AOPA membership numbers are way down, and I don't know what they are exactly, but when I was on the ARC, uh, they were pretty high, and I've heard that they've come down uh, a lot. And uh, it is kind of funny, even, um, you know, you think about the, the private airplane thing. It's a pretty expensive prospect. You know, I don't know if it's the economy and there's less flights and all the rest of that, but it should be getting safer. You are right. Um, that's an interesting factor. We'll I'm going to have to check into the membership, too, on, uh, on the AOPA and see what's happening there. Um, uh, you know, another thing that's kind of newsworthy that I wanted to talk about is, you know, last week we had almost 15,000 downloads, okay, of the podcast. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I think that's newsworthy and i'm and I'm thinking that you know seventeen thousand downloads, and then there's the website the s u s news website and that we're reaching you know uh ten to fifteen thousand people a day, and you know the community is getting larger
1: yeah that that's significant and there's a lot of folks out there that are really looking for this information
0: well they are and i and I think you know there's been a lot of uh, Talk about uh, unmanned technologies and unmanned aircraft and regulation and, and yada yada yada. But I mean, I, I have to be surprised. I kind of thought this was a niche type of audience, and you know, uh, I, I think that ABSI um, has six or seven thousand members. Uh, you know, the RTAP has got probably around two thousand. Um and there 's some other people out there, but man, you know i mean when we're when we 're hitting you know downloads of twenty thousand or seventeen thousand or you know ten thousand it 's telling me that either like the whole community is listening to the show or coming to the s u a s news or there 's interest outside the community, either or doesn 't really matter to me, but what it does. Uh, Suggests to me is that this community does not need to suffer in silence anymore. I was definitely something that we. Had. That yeah, well, I mean, you know, that was a that was an uphill battle with us uh, before, uh, especially the the it's, uh You know, you didn't, we didn't really have an avenue to to uh, come out and, and say anything. You know, um, we could, but it was. To a really limited audience, so basically, we had a situation where uh, you know, uh, the regulator or whoever could basically basically act with impunity, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I don't want really to get too far into the weeds on that one right now. Um, I was quoted on another wired.com story last week, the day brightener for the FAA. I know they love. Um, You know, when I bring this stuff up in the major media. But, you know, like I said, we are going to use this site and other sites um, as kind of a force multiplier. And we're going to get that message out. And obviously, um, you know, people are listening. I mean, you know, these – I don't go out there and and beg to be quoted. I mean, you know, these people come and find me. And they usually come and find us either off of – um the the web page or the podcast now uh, hey, I listen to your stuff. It's great, and I want to do an interview and, and and you know, and they've been in some good publications too, you know the New yorker i people are still reading that, believe it or not, um, so we're gonna get the message out there, and we're just gonna keep getting the message out there until we get a little little action going. that's kind of well, what press- the best part about it is is that it's just the fact.
1: I mean, really, when you look at it, people are looking for the straight scoop on what's going on in the industry. And everything that you've said and everything that we've said and everything that we've put forward has been a collection of facts. It's not theory. It's not, you know, what we supposed happened. It's It's the truth, and it's kind of inescapable.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been easy to kind of just sweep it under the rug because there's been no accountability from the press. There's been no accountability from um, a political side. I mean, and it's not for lack of trying. I mean, I've had uh, federal representation, you know, even now. My my congressperson wrote the acting administrator a letter on, uh, you know, on the behalf of small business and the voice on the arc. And the guy didn't even write her back yet. Is that you know does it doesn't for me. Is that you know the representative form of government that we all learned in civics class? Hell no. That's that is uh, I don't even know what that is, but it's ridiculous. I mean if you know you elect people I I don't want to get political idea, <laughs> you know, but you know how it works, I thought we went in the booth, you had mark, you'd mark out you vote for the person, oh this person here, yeah and then they go there and then if you have an issue at a federal or state level you contact that person. They contact the uh you know, it's representative. You know, last time they were throwing uh, boxes of tea in the harbor and stuff, you know. It's crazy, man. But anyway, we're going on to uh, keep on that one. And the reason we're going to keep on that one, and, you know, that's, again, some of the show takeaway, take away, um, is, you know, some folks says or say that I'm a, a little bit of a flamethrower. And, you know, uh, I say to that, well, if I'm a flamethrower because I want to see small business have a niche here in the future and I'd like to see small business use, utilize this technology and, um, you know, there'd be a business for this, for people to make money and hire their, you know, friends and neighbors and all the rest of that. I mean, that was Is I heard it came out there, the acting administrator, and was talking about how GA um, – you know uh, contributes a trillion dollars to the economy every year you know and so it's good. I like to hear trillion dollars to the economy, but how much of that is going to translate itself into unmanned technology nobody there nobody can't find anybody anymore that says well you know unmanned uh, te- unmanned aircraft is a um, passing fad. We all know it's here to stay military is saying that in the very near future thirty percent of their fleet is going to be unmanned. So if you transpose those numbers over here onto uh, Unmanned here in GA, you know, you can start extrapolating the numbers pretty quick. And, you know, 100 million, you know, conservatively in the near future, 200 million, whatever, how much of that pie should be available to small business, Gene? What do you think? I would think that, you
1: know, most of the innovation – and the garage shoppers out there that have been working really hard on advancing aviation should have the opportunity to monetize the ideas that they've come up with. There is no question about it that they should get uh, a very large portion of, of that economy. It would it would help through the strata, whether you're middle class, upper class, whatever. Uh, you know, if if we could get that that ball rolling. In the UA industry, there is no doubt in my mind that uh, there would be a lot of people that would benefit from it, and it would help the economy significantly. Uh,
0: I, yeah, it, I mean, you know, I don't, you don't have to be an economist. I, I think that, you know, what you said, I agree with what you said. Um, you know, and I will say, because people are like, oh, these garage guys, yada, yada. It's actually, I got a friend request from a guy here. He's they're They're trying to save elephants in Africa from being poached as we speak. He's trying to get me on Skype, but, you know, I got the podcast to do, but I'll talk to him after, um, but, my, you know, I, I do think that part of the takeaway from the show, too, Lockheed Martin, Lockheed Martin, uh, I noticed in their booths, you know, not only did they do the Pro Procerus thing, they also have a small quadcopter, they have a small uh, aerostat that they bought from another guy that we know. Um the model with the big guys is like the software model where instead of doing the innovation yourself because it takes them millions and millions of dollars to do it where like in the pro um model I would call that a garage budget for technology that you know's blow you away um, you know so people are starting to make a move and people are realizing hey you know these guys developed this I could come in and buy this and you know uh most people stay on They get a payout, they stay on, um, you know. That's how our economy works. And all we're really asking for is an avenue to start making some money, you know. A lot of people, I'm almost seeing a little bit of a flashback of five years ago, you know, or or even a little longer where people are investing a whole bunch of money, they're all ready to go, the technology is here, and uh, somebody's dragging their feet, man. You know, that's all.
1: I would I would have to concur because you and I were at those meetings with the RTCA and Reno, and the
0: meetings with the
1: ASN. ASN, true.
0: Yeah, it's all it's all fittering. And the other, you know, the FAA, we're out in the lead. Really? You can you could go and get an SFOC in Canada to operate commercially uh, five years ago. You know, CASA. Uh, how many years ago? Um, UK. Those guys, you know, I've talked to those dudes, the UKCAA, very pragmatic. Okay, we're going to let you operate. You go out there and operate, and if you're, you know, you prove that your operation is safe, we're going to let you go higher. You're going to go further. You know, uh, we want to see this thing turn into a business. Now, we're not going to let you go willy-nilly, but we are going to let you start off, and depending upon what you want to do. I mean, obviously, if a guy wants to do smokestack, um, you know, uh, inspections You know, I don't think you're going to have much uh, Aircraft flying into the smokestack You know what I'm saying So, uh, there, there's an example So, the FAA is not leading the way Well, they are leading the way and dragging their You know, i got to remember This is a family show <laughs> Let's use some <laughs> Don't work blue um, They're dragging their feet <laughs> Put it that way Anyway, um, they're not leading the way and you know, again, um, you know, there's been, there's been, uh, there. It's funny. I, 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 I don't want to talk about where I saw that, but I got a fresh iteration of the FAA propaganda, and I can't believe uh, that they are still pushing uh, that propaganda out because I, I just. I mean, I guess most people don't know it. I've got to write the book. The book's going to be, I mean, you know, you think that these articles are day brighteners for the FAA? They're not going to like it. They are not going to like it. I mean, I, I will. I will name names. I'm going to talk about what really went down, how it went down, who benefited, and why, you know. Um, I, I think I'm going to go back to the light sport Aircraft. Talk about you know Blakely and how she uh, shooed the LSA in and then made the jump to AI was it AAI or IAI? I forget which one it is, but it's the uh, uh, aircraft. It's another pro um, aircraft group made the jump oh, right yeah. out. Of, what? One of
1: those other initial
0: groups. Yeah, I forget if it's AAI or. I forget exactly which one it is, but she made the jump right from administrator, you know, at like 150k a year. LSA gets, uh, you know, crazy. The skids get creased. Oh, we got. You remember when they were like with F38? Oh, F37. You know, boy. Oh, look at the work they did. She jumps right out of the FAA over to this other group, and I, I somewhere like half a million a year. kawinky Dinky Do. Hey, I don't know. You know, I'm not going to say you, you know you can't make money because you know. That's what we're all here to do. I, you know, I but I'm, what I'm saying is I think we need some motivation like that, and we can get some stuff done. So I'll probably roll back talking about that one, talk about the GAATA survey, which the FAA could use to gather information on unmanned aircraft because I mean remember you know, we're gonna get in the way back machine here, Gene. Okay, let's go back to two thousand and five. What did the FAA, well, even before that, what did the FAA, since day one, What's the FAA said they need? Safety. That's their charter. We will make sure that the airspace is safe. Okay, that's true. Safety. But how do we determine safety? What do we need to determine safety? Data. they asked oh. for data from day one. Ding, ding, ding. We got a winner. Okay. So... Eight years has gone by. What do we need still? Data. And the unfortunate thing is,
1: is even back in in 2006, when uh, we said that we would provide them data, we actually produced a piece of software that was free to any unmanned aircraft or commercial AP uh, aircraft operator that they could log their flights, they could keep up with their flight hours, and uh, anonymously send their aircraft and their flight information up to a website. And as we were going to hand this data over to the FAA so they could begin their vetting process, we were told that the data was no good because it couldn't be validated.
0: Well and we were told a lot of stuff, but please continue. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, it's frustrating when you make the effort of you know, uh, Gene there uh, in Dallas, you know, asked us to produce data, and we said we would, and we did, and uh, un- unfortunately, it just uh, it was just missed out of hand.
0: Well, you know, and that's been a lot of the deal. But it's kind of funny, you know, because like, you know, I remember because every year they would roll out, you know, it's like the uh, the the February rollout. Whoa. <laughs> And it was funny, is even when Rick Prozac took over the the helm of the uh, of the Titanic. Um, first thing he said is, "We need data." And I remember asking him. This was his first public appearance. You know, it's like, "Hey okay, Rick, what kind of data are we looking for?" Well, we don't know. Well, how are you going to capture it? You got a matrix going. Well, we don't know. Okay, you got any inkling of what you, I mean, something on scribble on the back of a cocktail napkin? Anything? Inkling? Idea? Nothing. So. You know, that's 2009, it's 2012, <laughs> I mean, and I've been telling everybody about this GATA survey, right, and uh, it's easy to do, it's that we already got it, that's what they use for the rest of it, all the other aircraft can use that, It's and just like you said, right, well, there's no way to validate it. Even if you go do this survey, you don't have to have your logbook, you know, You uh, just from memory, buddy, you know. And then I was told, too, that even after, remember, the edict of 2007, oh, you know, uh, can't collect data from uh, illegal operations. No, just can't do that. That just doesn't happen. Then you go and you read how they collect the data for the GATA survey. I know this goes right over most people's heads, but how they collect the safety data, how they extrapolate the numbers for the safety of the NAS and GA doing the ten six, and, you know, Yada yada. They do you. You fill out the GAAT sur- survey, which goes out to barely anybody. You can ask most pilots; they've never heard of it. Anyway, you write down. Well, I did. I don't know how many takeoffs and landings. I flew the golf bag around. I had a couple of burgers with Johnny. Put that in there. You write that all up. It, Lick the stamp, you throw it in there, and the it goes, and uh, they go, oh, okay, well, let's, uh, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to, uh, he flew a 1,000 hours or whatever. I'm throwing telephone numbers out there, but it doesn't really matter because that's what the FAA does. Okay, well, every plane that was registered in the last 10 years, were, you know, they flew just as much as uh, Billy over here, and, you know, and then that's how they, they doctor up the numbers. NTSB comes out and says those numbers are totally worthless. But when it works in the FAA's favor, because, you know, you're supposed to, if you sell an aircraft, you have X amount of days to re-register or it's supposed to be re-registered every three years. So if you're going to go back and you're going to assume safety data from aircraft that have been uh, registered in the last 10 years, we don't know where they are. That was, that was how they found out that those uh, 100,000 aircraft were missing, but they didn't know where they were. And they're talking about safety. Now, you know, you get like, you know, you're, you're a pilot, right, Gene? Yes, I am. Okay, you know, wait, what kind of inspections do they have on uh, aircraft? Huh. they seem you know. to be endless.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, well, you know, thousand hour, thousand complete airframe. You have to. Uh, it's just, it's, it's on and on.
0: Yeah, but you know, if you've registered that aircraft ten years ago, is it still airworthy? You know, are we are we just going to assume that? Are we, are we going to assume the data from illegal operations for, you know, somebody who hasn't registered their aircraft in 10 years and we're talking about safety? It's a joke. I mean, it is. It's it's shameful is what it is. So, you know, I know there's different offices and all the rest of that. But, you know, I mean, to come up, off and saying, you know, we're concerned about safety. And then the other one that's, uh, you know, those planes burn leaded gas. Six hundred plus metric tons a year of lead. Remember, EPA: no level of lead is safe for children. None. Nothing. And they're spewing this lead uh, all over the country. I know. I, I live in the flight path. I didn't know that. You know, or the kid goes to school, he's under the flight path. They come right over the field, spewing the lead. It's all about do no harm, safety. I don't get were, it. Uh,
1: General Aviation was given a year or two years to comply under a waiver, and uh, they've
0: been getting a waiver every year since, I believe, haven't they? Do no harm. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Oh, hold on. The other thing. Remember, GA, we're all about safety. ADSB, man, all the infrastructure's coming in here on, uh, you know, in January. So you, are you telling me you're not willing to spend a few hundred dollars you know, I mean if I was if I was the association uh spokesperson for any association, I'd be like, you know what? We're, we're about safety. We want our CR members stay safe. Go out and spend the five hundred dollars, get the ADSB, mount it on the dashboard like you're doing your Garmin. Uh go get it. Invest in the safety of your person and the people on the ground. You know, that one's been beat into me. Um I've heard that for years. So, I mean, you know. You could take it for what it's worth, but uh, I, I'm just not—I'm not really buying that stuff, man. You know, because if it's really all of that, then you can do things today. We could use ADSB. GA could use ADSB. Uh, you know, 121 could use ADSB. Everybody could do it, and we could—we could increase the safety of the NAS. There's powerful people don't want to do it, and you—you want to take a crack at why we're not too excited about a- ADSB. GA wouldn't be excited about the, the prospect of all the safety and the and the promise of ADSB. b
1: Hmm, would it be because it would allow UA into the uh, national airspace?
0: Well, that and, you know, there's going to be some other things. If you're not flying in the right area or you're dragging your tail in the clouds or, you know, there's some other things that you're doing, uh, that's going to be logged. along the beach at 50 feet? Yeah, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, we, we don't want to... Uh, Again, the flamethrower there, I'm sure this is going to give people hives, this this whole conversation, but it's true. You know, you're not going to be able to do the old Sky King anymore. That's why they're not interested. It's not even mandated until 2020. So anyway, you know, it's just, uh, these are some of the issues. So yeah, I'm a flamethrower, you know. And and, and I, I think that there's some people that agree with me. There's there's probably fourteen thousand, ten thousand, I don't know, five thousand people that agree. Anyway, we really got off in the weeds on that one, and and we want to uh, talk about monetizing this stuff. And I think that's all relevant conversation into hey, uh, this is really what's happening. So let's let's be serious, let's get real, and let's let's get the like the S far out there. I know right now it's political. I mean, it's pretty much right now. Um, Obama administration FAA slow down uh, DOT's got the S-FAR And they're batting it back and forth And I'm sure they've been told to slow down too And uh, you know FAA saying Well our hands are tied we can't really do anything Okay that's fine You know, Go, you know and it, I'm going to give them the six months But you know prior to that you had six years And what have you done So You know you can't uh, Can't blame it all on them Anyway so we got we we went long on that one, but let's let's talk about some of the easy ways that folks can legally make money, Gene. Well,
1: yeah, the first one is my favorite, And, You know, that's the one that I would go for right away because that's my idea of a good time. So, so go ahead and explain how you can do that.
0: Well, you know, people can, and they and they are getting uh, deployment slots on on some sort of debt in uh, Afghanistan. It's a hard year in Spartan conditions, but it is a good way to uh, get some experience. It's not for everyone. I mean, i got to tell you, I don't camp anywhere. They don't have room service in a bar, uh, and they have neither of that in uh, Afghanistan. But some of the younger guys, it's definitely a way where they can get experience, um, and they want to go over there. You stay over there for six months or a year, and you – You know, you get the training, you become certified, you learn how to fly, and you can get jobs, hopefully, back here to have that experience, or you can go back out again. I know, guys, that that's basically a career. They uh, go to Afghanistan for a while, come back, you know, and then go back again. Uh, But they are gaining experience in this field. Um, You know, then there's the military contracting, and and some might think it's kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek. It is. A very closed circuit. It's very hard to get into the FBO. Uh, that that one, whew, you know, that, that's a hard one to get in. But like I um, said before, some of the bigger companies are, that's how they're acquiring technology, like Lockheed Martin you know, uh, Boeing buying in situ, things like that. So that is possible. They're long shots, but it is possible. For a small company to get in and try and sell the military something, which I have personal experience with that too, which has been, you know, several years now, Um, even if you have a product that they need and they know they need and they could buy and save the taxpayer millions of dollars, uh, they move slower than the FAA. It's just the way it is. But that is that is the way you can do it. Another one, this one kind of breaks my heart to say it, but is move your company offshore. And um, there
1: have been many that have done
0: that, that we know of. Oh, there's lots of them. Um, other countries are allowing for commercial use of this technology, and we named some of them. You know, the Australia, the Canada, the Japan, the U.K., um, even somebody else, uh you know, Names, but he says he's sold 16,000 systems, unfortunately, because of the ITAR thing, and that's, that's the whole other thing we wanted, we could probably talk about. I'm, I'm not an attorney, and I will give you marginal legal advice on that, but anyway, he moved his operation to Mexico. Why did he move his operation to Mexico? So he didn't have to deal with ITAR. ITAR is something that they could tell you, give you the green light now, and you can start selling, and then they could come back and say, oh, wait a minute, we made a mistake. Tax control technology—you uh, got to go get that, and you're responsible to find all of that technology sold for the last however long. That to me does not sound fun. No,
1: you know? and it's
0: not. No, and I mean you know Leavenworth is on the other end of that. <laughs> yeah, he thought so. The conditions in Afghanistan were bad, huh? <clears throat> so not too okay. happy with that um you know so you want to be uh careful of that i do know a lot of people have moved offshore and even some of the bigger companies have now offices and um you know branches in other countries because they see the same thing uh the other one um you know work with a public entity uh, and where you can apply for a COA or an experimental certificate you know there's still limitations on on what can be done and you can't charge for flying but you know there are There are ways um, that companies have gone out and done this, you know, um, certain systems, um, you know, I don't know if I really want to name them, but there are exceptions. I guess if you know how to work it, you know, and talk to the FAA, you can get an experimental certificate and you can go out there and you can make some money. Um, I don't think you can charge for flying. That's where, you know, well, you can. Actually, there are examples where you can charge tens of thousands of dollars for flying under a COA outside of restricted air or warning airspace at an airport, and you still make money. And, um, you know, uh, I'm not going to give that away um, because, you know, we're going to have to work through that. But there there are examples of that. There's multiple examples of that. You just have to know where to look and, uh, you know, we can see about uh, opening that up. I know, you know, I wanted to talk about that if we don't run out of time, but uh,
1: a little bit later.
0: Uh, another thing you could do is start a uh, a business, an ancillary business that supports the industry. And there's a steep learning curve, but you know, we're seeing more of that. You know, Dr. Jerry, uh, some of the other University of North Dakota, Emory uh, Riddles jumping on board, and obviously, uh, you know, they may not be for profit some are some aren't um, but they're out there and, and they are um, you know making some money uh, teaching people about these systems and, and concepts and everything else um, so that is, that's probably something that can be done and the same thing uh, there's people doing consulting and uh, you know we will talk about, uh, hopefully talk about that more we already went through 30 minutes yeah, pay-
1: payload management remote sensing all that stuff is uh- you really don't have to deal with the flight portion of it. You just uh, develop the, the product and say here it is, and let the folks who are developing the, the airframes and working through the FAA let them absorb the brunt of that.
0: Exactly, and then, you know, and they might have the, uh, the, the the bandwidth and wherewithal to deal with that. The other ones, uh, you know, there was another one. I was uh, this one's kind of a little facetious, but you know, it's possible that you could apply for a job at the FAA. You know, the UASIO. Business is good. They're expanding that one office into six. I hear that they're hiring some people. And, unfortunately, you know, the people, and this is another what happens, is they hire people that have no unmanned aircraft experience. You know, who to thunk it, but that's kind of how it works. But hey, give it a crack. They're hiring more people. They're trying to find people. That's another way to do it. Um,
1: I think what we heard was they're going to put on an additional 3,000 personnel.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's got to be some opportunities there, and there's some people, I'm sure, that have the qualifications They might even know this technology. It'd be great if we could get more people in here uh, that know more about the technology and get them into this, uh, you know, into those positions where they're they're trying to make rulemaking. I mean, it's just one of these things that, you know, yeah, we got these people. We're going to bring 3,000 people on board. They don't know anything about the technology. They're going to have to get out. to It's going to be a lot of training for AV to bring these people on their product line, learn about unmanned aircraft systems. I mean, uh, that task is daunting. So that's going to take years. You know it is. I mean... Whatever. So we'll just have to see what happens there. Anyway, you know, uh, another thing I wanted to talk about too, and some of that consulting stuff. Uh, you know, I don't want to really deride anyone, but over the last uh, couple of weeks, this thing's really heating up, and I've been talking to more and more people who are getting into consulting, and um, you know, they've got experts. Uh, I've I've heard in the last couple of weeks multiple inventors of the drone, uh, and and it's not Al Gore. Yeah, I know. I am shocked. Right. Too. But uh, I've heard from several locations, oh, you know, I got Joe Baggett Donuts over here, the inventor of the drone. I'm like, I've never heard of this guy. And he's got to be, what's he got to be, like, you know, 98? So, I mean, technically they had them during World War II. And uh, most of that generation's getting kind of old. So, I guess with that, you know, we've been saying it before, kind of watch out for the... uh, Snake oil salesmen. I mean, if somebody, I mean, a lot of these people are starting consulting businesses, and they are going to the police, they are going to uh, disaster relief agencies, and they are bringing UAS along, and they're saying, "Hey, this is how you use it." Well, do you have any experience with them, Andrew? Well, no. I, to they me, they know how to fly them. Some do know how to fly them. Yeah, but that's, you know, you got some stones, man. You're going to go out there and take these people's money and you don't know anything about them or how to apply them? And, and you know, and then that, that also goes, I guess what making money is also saving money. Consternation um, and, and faced would be to, uh, you know, hire someone that's reputable. And then that's gonna you know roll into me and gene here and' announce we uh we've actually put together a partnership called uh oh well, no it was um Omega Unmanned Technologies, and we're hanging out the shingle and I almost felt what was like it was like a public service effort in, in the sense that uh you know hearing all of these uh These consultants come online, uh, the inventors of the drone, and and people uh, going out there and telling police departments, you know, this, that, the other thing, we want to sell this. Oh, hey, it's going to be great. You're going to be able to use this in 60 days with the COA and yada, yada. I was like, Gene, we got to get out there and do something. I mean, we were already talking about doing an application training. But, you know, uh, (laughs) you got to beware. I mean, what do you think, Gene? I mean, I know we talked about it, but...
1: Well, you know, like you say, if you if you haven't been over in the rock pile or the sandbox flying a raven or a shadow or even a predator or anything else like that, you there's just really not a venue to get the experience here at Conus. And there are a lot of folks out there that saying they've got stuff, and we have, as we have spoken to them and talked to folks, we have found quite contrary that sure they may know how to fly them but they are putting themselves forth as experts in a field that is so young that you really can't have a Ph.D. at this point in unmanned aircraft applications. Uh, as you said, you know, Dr. Jerry has started his curriculum. I don't know if he's had anybody graduate from his program, but I don't know of any Ph.D. programs in UAS applications anywhere cona Kona. Do you? No, there are none. And
0: he's offering something else. His is more of an engineering-based deal. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I know that people are trying to start flight training schools and and all this. you know, that's great. You know, go ahead. Um, I know that even AV uh, is trying to to start a training school, and they might be doing it under the, you know, where they already fly and train people, uh, you know. They may try and do it under that. But the thing is, is okay, that's fine. But, you know, just like you said, you know, okay, over there in the sandbox or in the mountains or at the beach or whatever. But, again, you know, I've already, uh, you know, wrote, written articles about this. The asymmetrical warfare overlay is not going to cut it on the American public. Just don't even go there, man. I'm telling you right now. So, you know, again, it's like when you uh, hire any other professional service, you know, in my life, in my business, and I've been a small business guy for twenty some odd years. I like to work with top tier folks, people who are reputable, people that are good. I don't go, I don't want to go to the cut rate doctor. I don't want to go to the cut rate accountant, you know. And I sure as heck wouldn't want to go to a cut rate lawyer. I mean, how many times in business have you? Well, didn't you check this guy out? Nah, you know, a buddy of mine said he was good. And, and, and you know, and you know where that goes. You've heard that story a bunch of times. So, you know, I, I, I can't emphasize it enough. Vet the folks you're gonna deal with. Uh, that's why me and Gene are starting this this thing. You know, you you can follow the history of what Gene's done. He wrote a book about it. You you know, you can follow it up, you can vet him, it's easy. Myself, I've been out there for years. Um people know what I've been talking about and what I've been doing. And uh, you know, I think um As far as that's concerned, you know, we're talking about applications training, system training, system manuals, uh, both training system, uh, maintenance, uh, maybe some help with uh, COA and Experimental Certificate uh, Assistance, and if you're thinking that you want to get into this, uh, you know, there's the preferred vendor list, and there's been a little bit of talk about that, and I know we even asked about that when we were on the, the phone with those folks. How do you get on there? Now, look, you know, uh, we've talked about the expedited COA. If you're not on the list, you're not eligible for the uh, the expedited COA, you know. And you're not going to get this just anywhere, you know. We know the ins and outs. We've been here long enough. We know who's doing what and where they're doing it. So, that's, I mean, you know, that that's what you get here. Um, You know, the other thing is pre-purchase assessments. I mean, I, I've talked about that over and over and over again. Don't. You know, you're not going to buy the Predator for, uh, you know, a town of 10,000 people. It sounds exciting, but you don't need that, you know. No, no. And, of course, that's kind of an extreme example. But, uh, you know, even uh, the $200,000 system, you know, that's, let's say, over 25 pounds, uh, you're not going to be able to use that. So, you know, you want to do your pre-purchase assessment, you want to figure out what your system needs are, and you want to have evaluations of systems for the con ops in your geographical location. Because the other thing is, you're not going to be able to go out there and go willy-nilly. You know, even when this this whole deal cracks open, you're not going to just be able to go, I'm out here doing whatever I want. You're going to still, there's a process that you have to uh, conform to with the FAA, uh, again, a lot of people talk about this, but there's there's a lot of uh, holes in their Swiss cheese that they lay out. And, 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 and Gene, I'm sure you've heard uh, no shortage of that.
1: No, no, definitely haven't. And, and you know, one of the things that, that you spoke of just really strikes a chord is that every situation is different. Every township is different. Every geographical area is different. And people don't recognize the conditions that... Can affect a small manned, small unmanned aircraft, and it's just—it blows my mind that people will go out and and buy quad rotors that have uh, a 12 or 15 minute duration and expect to cover 20 miles. Uh, It's just not going to happen. They're—they're sexy and and they look great and they hover and it's the helicopter thing, but they're—they're—they're like a helicopter. They're not an efficient flyer, and a lot of folks don't think of.
0: Well, you know, and it is a tool in the toolbox. So you know, you might have applications for that. But I mean, are you going to yeah, go absolutely. out there and? Oh yeah, but are you going to go out there and, and uh, drop the whole budget on one tool? You know, it'd be like I'm going to go into business as a uh, electrician and I'm going to spend my whole budget on uh, this, you know, government five thousand dollar hammer. You know. Uh so you know, you need to go out there, you need to get educated, you learn need to learn about the tools and you need to learn also it's not only those public operators, but other people too that wanna be in its business. How do I position my business to be ready for when the FAA gives the go code? And uh, you know, you wanna go straight to someone who knows where are those guys? Go out there, vet us, uh, you know, do whatever you, you can go out there and uh, do searches, Google searches, or whatever. So that's what we're going to start offering. If you're interested in that, you can uh, get in touch with me at uh, Patrick at SUAS News. You can also, if you have some suggestions, comments, um, ideas, whatever else, you can email me at the same email address, Patrick at SUAS com or you could, uh, for right now, uh, email Gene. Do you want to give your email, Gene?
1: Sure. You can get me at gene at rpflightsystems.com or gene at suasnews.com.
0: Exactly. So, you know, if you have any questions, um, you know, anything we can help you with, please feel free to contact us. Um, like I said, I'm going to help this dude out here with, The anti-elephant poaching um, effort, but um, whatever we can do to help, please call and let us. know. I hope today's show was kind of informative uh, for people that want to be in this business. There's definitely some pitfalls to look out for. There's definitely um, things you need to do. Um, before you, let's say, bat the farm, and you got to get educated. And you should get educated about uh, who you're going to do business with. You need to get educated with uh, how you're going to do business. And a little bit of um, planning and forethought up front goes a long way at the other end. And so, you know, all of the different education uh, avenues are good. Uh, learn as much as you can. Be careful who you talk to. The snake oil salesmen are out there. They're ready to sell to anybody. Uh, If you've got a checkbook, they're ready to sell to you. And I mean, I've heard all kinds of things, well, it's not really that it's illegal or there's this or that, you know, you got to do the homework, right, Gene? That's it. You got to dig deep, too. And you got to dig deep or you got to find out people that know what's going on. So. Hopefully, uh, there was a little bit of, you know, we were talking about monetizing this technology. We did give you some stuff that you could do. Also, uh, how to position yourself in the future and also some historical background, which we always try and do. There's going to be more of that um, in the future. Uh, like I said, we will out the the uh, the ore cart from the gold mine. You're going to get stuff here you don't get anywhere else.
1: That sucks.
0: Yeah, and 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 then uh, the people that are going to come on in the future too. We got we got some good guests that Aevsi said they would come on, but we're out of time. So Gene, see you next week.
1: Okay, everyone, take care.